is Bloomberg Surveillance. Most of global growth is dominated by the emerging economies. China is the single largest contributor to overall global growth now. When we look at what's happening in the U.S., that ultimately is going to be the driver of policy settings around the world. As long as the dollar remains on the defensive, not just to the euro, but also to the yen, some emerging market currencies, then the outlook for gold will continue to be good. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. Monday after Jobs Day, your Bloomberg Surveillance coming up. Douglas Cass on caution within the equity markets. An important interview with Mr. Cass of Seabreeze. You love him, you hate him. Doug Cass on caution. Oh, uh, to be re- Oh, come on. Where do you want to start? How about David Ortiz? That's a good place to start. <laughs> Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Cone Resnick, accounting tax advisory to seize opportunities in commercial real estate. Your business needs market-focused guidance from the industry-leading experts at Cone Resnick. Find out how at ConeResnick.com, C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K. It was something. Good morning, Bloomberg 1200 Boston. The Red Sox, not first place, but 581 baseball. The O's, the blessed Baltimore Orioles, 600 ball. Our friend John Angelos. uh, Yes. They're doing something right over there. They're doing something right. First place Dodgers, the Kofaxes, playing 516 ball. They face off against the first place Mets. Do this they? week, I did not know that. I got a lovely note from our friend Muhammad Alarian, who was in Petco Park in San Diego, watching right. the game yesterday, rooting the Mets on. I congratulated a reason, him on a reason them into for Douglas Cass to fly into New York from his Florida to see Dodgers. Uh, they're, Mets. In, they're in L.A. He's, he needs oh, to go out he's LA. going out to L.A. Well, he goes out to L.A. anyways. Now joining us, Douglas Cass. First on baseball, Doug. Um, is it still <laughs> a national pastime? Is is it the national pastime? It certainly isn't horse racing, thoroughbred racing. <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't like that race on Saturday, or did you lose no, money I mean, on just it? The, the popularity of um, of uh, thoroughbred racing has gone down dramatically since I was a kid. Yeah, I think it is still the, the, the national pastime. I have no idea what you were talking about with this Newcastle and whatever. Oh, it, it, <laughs> you're not following English Premier League soccer? Uh, not lately. Did no. you ever? Did I you do, ever? But, did, did you ever I'm bet sorry. on anything with a 5,000 to 1 uh, odds? Never in my life. No, no. Um, it's enough rooting against the Red Sox. Uh, you know, being short <laughs> the markets um, yeah. is is almost like having to face um, your knuckleballer, Stephen Wright, on the mound every inning or to pitch to Big Pappy in the batter's box. And I knew this was coming last night as two home runs after those lousy calls by the umpire Friday night. When you look at this, Doug, and it goes importantly back to how someone deploys capital, the Leicester City odds of 5,000 to 1 or horse racing or are betting within the market. And I go to Taleb, which is little bets on rare outcomes. Discuss the Doug Cass reality that you want to be in the market, you want to be long or short, and you're not going to do it with little bets on rare outcomes, then what do you do? What's the cast best well, practice? As an addendum to Talib's view, but a less extreme view, I would just make the statement, uh, Sir Thomas and Michael, that rarely has our world faced the possibility of so many previous previously low-probability disruptive events actually happening uh, with the potential for such a high degree of impact, many of them adverse. Yeah. 
Uh, Byron Wien had that had a great line. He said that disasters have a way of not happening. But I'm worried it's different time. It's different this time. Okay. And even though Byron's always right, he may be wrong this time. The, the, the gloom over the weekend, and folks, for all of you, we say this immense respect. One of the great things about Doug Cass is when he's wrong, he says so, which is a breath of fresh which air. Which is often. Well, that's often, but, you know, that's the way that, you know, I, I get upset, folks, when people want certitude in equity speculation where you know you're like a baseball player. You're going to be wrong 50 or 60 percent of the time if you're lucky. Doug Cass, why the, why the gloom over the weekend? Weekend versus a measured debate of long or short. I don't know. I don't know what gloom you're referring to over the weekend. Many articles saying the, the New York Yankees. Oh come on! Gloom. Many articles saying the Islanders. world's coming to an end. Different eight different flavors of oh, the market's yes. I, this terrible. Is, this is the way I see yeah. the world, and I'm trying to be objective. And it, again, it's keeping with the notion that rarely have we faced so many a- outcomes, uh, many of them adverse. Uh, not a Taleb view of the world, but a more measured, sober view of the world. I think that the world's markets and global economies are maturing. There are numerous peaks I see. It's my view that an important and major stock market top began to develop in May of 2015. We had confirmation technically and fundamentally, but we have to remember the tops of processes, not single moments in time. Uh, the market's leadership and breadth has narrowed, while fundamentally, obviously, corporate profits have materially disappointed. My view is that when I do a range of scenarios and probabilities against those scenarios, the market is the S&P is about 200 points overvalued, or about nine, ten percent overvalued. Valuations are stretched. The market's multiple on gap earnings is a remarkably high, 24 times, and gap and non-gap differences have never expanded to a record wide as they have today. Uh, quantitative failure is, talk, is stalking the world, especially in Japan and the U.S. QE has lost its effectiveness, so is zero interest rates and negative interest rates. I don't believe that the Fed is going to raise interest uh, Fed funds this year. Economic activity, sales, profits, and stock prices have been pulled forward because of this monetary largesse, which I just explained by the world's central bankers. And I think that the 2016-17 economic outlook is somewhere between a muddle-long and garden-variety recession. Uh, that said, there are many other possible economic and market outcomes, but many of them are adverse. I think that the period of excess economic and market gains is likely over. All right. Uh, God, there's so much there to unpack. Um... I don't even know what I said. I said it so fast. <laughs> but all seriousness, I think that we are living, and this is really, really an important and and part of my um, probably the dominant negative market theme is that we're living in this monetary policy in Wonderland. Um, non-thinking consensus to me seems to be the norm these days. And when you combine that with the dirty water provided by central banks, the crowd is starting to resemble the Mad Hatter. And I think that history books are going to be written about this period in complete bewilderment about monetary policy, and they're going to say something like this. Um, let me see how to phrase it. Did investors really invest in bonds or basically bankrupt countries that printed money to make interest payments and to buy bonds? They just issued in falling currencies, which allowed for more bond issuance due to more spending and debt issuance. And not only did they not get interest for doing so, 
but they paid said governments for the right to do so. Did this really happen? Did they really invest a million dollars to get back $975,000 10 years later? Yeah. Were investors really that stupid? Well, and Eric Nielsen, Michael McKee talking about this today from Denmark and Unicredit today. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, amazement of negative yeah. rates. A lot of people don't like what the central banks have done, but Doug, I, I got to ask, is it, is this an unusual time? I mean, as Roseanne, Roseanne and Anna would say, it's the always something. Roseanne, Roseanne, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always something. So, or is it that in an age where information is so widely available instantaneously that the markets are just so much more sensitive to what's going that's on? And that question. raises the danger. There's a great, that's a great question. I do know, like Rosanna Dana, with every conflict, whether it's in the EU or it's a geopolitical event, you do get another Rosanna Dana expression. Never mind. And the market comes right back to the highs. Doug Cass, help me with where the risk-free rate is. We all, whether we're long, short, whatever our belief, we have an anchor like a keel on a boat. And that anchor is the risk-free rate. That's the, hardest thing and... because, that's the hardest thing because, you know, when I went to Wharton and got my MBA a couple of years ago, um, we dealt with discounted cash flows and we used a risk-free rate of return assumption. And the problem is no one knows what that risk-free rate of return is. So uh, in large measure, we get the sort of volatility that we have uh, seen in the last, uh, uh, 16 mm. or 24 months. We're going to come back with Doug Cass right now. Doug, quickly here, what is your position this morning for those that uh, trade tick by tick? What is the Doug Cass position right now? I am at my largest um, uh, aggregate net short position in probably two years. And how many years? Two years. Two years. Okay, we'll come back with Doug uh, Cass's Seabreeze as well. Just a uh, point of clarification. Yes, please. Never mind was Emily Latella. Uh, Emily Latella, I'm sorry. It was. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, a sorry. surveillance correction. Yeah. John well, Tucker, brilliant. It was the same actress. Was Wal Gilda Radner. Yes. Wal <laughs> Gilda Radner. Very good. John. John, John, old. John, uh, John Tucker helping out Doug Cass with his Saturday Night Live uh, expertise as well. Lending Club helping out the markets with clarity. Their CEO and chairman exits. They've got some challenging accounting. Uh, Lending Tree down uh, this Lending morning. Club. Lending Club. Excuse me. Lending Club. Confusing. Excuse me. I misspoke. Like Doug Cass on Emily Latella. Futures up three. Down futures up uh, 25 points. All right, time to check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Fire officials in Alberta, Canada, say they are more optimistic as they battle a huge wildfire that has scorched almost 400,000 acres. The forecast is calling for cooler temperatures and light rain. The blaze has blackened the town of Fort McMurray. Today is the deadline set by the Justice Department for North Carolina to rescind the so-called bathroom law involving transgender rights or lose federal funding. The law prohibits people from using a bathroom of their identity and only allows them to use facilities of their born gender. The world's most expensive rough diamond is sold for $63 million. The Constellation, an 813-carat diamond, was sold by the Vancouver-based Lucara Diamond Corporation. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Lending Club, C-L-U-B, symbol L-C. 
$7.10 and joining $5.23, down 26% right now. From New York, Michael McKee and Tom King with Doug Cass, Bloomberg Surveillance. This news update brought to you by Audi Meadowlands in Secaucus, New Jersey, powered by Benzo Bush, offering a commitment to service, luxury, and value with total transparency. Start your journey at AudiMeadowlands.net and define the way you drive. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures are higher. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. U.S. futures have paired some of their gains since the last time we spoke. Dow futures now up 32 points. S&P's gained four. And Nasdaq futures rise by 11. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.77%. Regarding earnings today, Tyson Q2EPS beat. Teva beat, Sotheby's missed, and Wayfair Q1 revenue topped highest estimates. In deal news, Krispy Kreme to be acquired for $21 a share in cash. And in other news, Freeport to sell TF Steak for $2.65 billion in cash. Medicine sells assets for up to $792 million. Lenny Club down 31% pre-market. CEO resigned on near-prime loan practices. And Valiant sees filing 10Q by June 10th. That's ahead of credit deadline. I had finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. Centerpoint Energy raised to neutral at Goldman Sachs. Adwood cut to hold at Jefferies. Occidental cut to neutral at J.P. Morgan. Depot Med raised to buy at Mizuho. And L Brands cut to neutral over at UBS. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? Thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk Go on your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K Go. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Breaking news. Yeah. I mean, break Krispy Kreme. Go out for breakfast and you buy the whole company. Krispy They're going private is basically the bottom line here. They're being bought by this. J.A.B. holding company, J.A.B. Beach. They own a lot of things. They, You know, this this works great for their portfolio because they also own Green Mountain Coffee, Caribou Coffee Company, Pete's Coffee and Tea, so you can get donuts. And they have Mighty Leaf Tea, which is, we we have that at home, Mighty Leaf Tea. And then, of course, for those of you who have had enough coffee, you go shopping. They own um, Jimmy Choo, the shoe company, Cody, the makeup people. So, Olivier Goudet. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And interesting Bart company. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Krispy Kreme taken out. Who would have thunk? Anyway. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning and every morning we're brought to you by Invesco. Invesco believes it's time to bench the benchmarks to consider active management and factor-based strategies. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Which brings us to Doug Cass and is a perfect segue into Mr. Cass. Doug, writing up a storm on diversification. Um, I mean, once again, we're learning that. You cite Mr. Ackman and the ugly Friday he had, but, but there's just something about, we all know we need to be diversified, but then you can be too diversified. What's the right Cass prescription for diversification? Well, I think in an uncertain economic and market environment, um, diversification um, gains, uh, with apologies to Bill Ackman and Warren Buffett, uh, gains greater credibility. Um, and that's diversification across, uh, in terms of company exposure, but also importantly, uh, across industry exposure. So I think you keep 
a higher degree of cash than you normally have, and you become ever more diversified rather than more concentrated. As we have learned, Pershing, at, at Pershing's uh, Bill Ackman yeah. has suffered from, uh, you know, this hedge, this Polish hedge of being long, valiant, and short um, uh, herbalized. Yeah, I don't know if that's a true hedge. Doug Cash, you were honored by one W. Buffet to join the soiree in Omaha. When was that, two years ago? Yeah. Three years ago, yeah. back when the Red Sox were in last place, right? The good um, old days. Yeah, within the media <laughs> manipulation of Mr. Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, what is the value gained from their unique annual meeting? Um, well, first of all, it's appearing physically and, and watching them is losing its value because now you have um, live stream available, uh, which I went on in lieu of going to Omaha, which is a pain in the neck because it's hard to get there because uh, the planes are sold out. Um, you know, there will never, ever be another Warren Buffett. I think that structurally um, uh, it will it precludes another Buffett and Munger. So his pearls continue to come out of his mouth, even though he's going to be 86 in August, and obviously Munger will be 93. And um, his common sense approach to investing is, and and his and and his ideas of how to become a better investor. For example, read everything you can possibly read. A very simple. Um, uh, solutions and, and, and fixes to becoming better investors. Am I a better investor if I own a price-to-perfection, dividend-growing consumer stock? That seems to be all the rage now as we hunt for yield-equivalent growth. How do you handle somebody's 401K that is not loaded up but has a wide percentage of these quality stocks? These quality stocks are accorded... Uh, extraordinarily high, at least on an historic basis, valuations. So I don't think quality equates necessarily as it relates to consumer staples um, as superior investment returning vehicles. What what could go wrong in your scenario um, going forward? What can go wrong? What can go right since I'm negative? Yeah, okay, we'll put it right. (laughs) What could go right? What's the white swan? The white swan is that this, uh, this eight-year period of zero interest rates and increasingly negative interest rate policy uh, around the world produces um, um, uh, trickles down, serves to trickle down to the average Joe and produces um, escape velocity and self-sustaining economic growth around the world. But um, I, I simply don't see it. I see, um, you know, I, I, I don't see it. You know, the market to me, Apple is to me, Apple's my has been my largest short, as you know, Tom. Apple to me is sort of a metaphor for the market. I can't see a pivot at Apple. I don't see any new product, um, 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 a needle moving, uh, new products for Apple. I only see an endless victory lap at Apple. And the same applies to the stock market. I don't see a reacceleration of global economic growth. I see uh, more malinvestment, and I see increasing chances 
of uh, and, mm. you know we've had four we've had four consecutive right. years of disappointing corporate profit growth. I thought you were going to say four consecutive years of disappointing Red Sox. Doug Cass with Seabreeze. Thank you so much. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Coming up, the With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-54-WD for details. Land Rover, 11B. 